We are back, and you're listening to The Critical Hour on Radio Sputnik. I'm Wilmer Leon, joined here by my co-host, Garland Nixon. Thank you, Wilmer. Antiwar.com writes, Iran deal nears. Russia says talks one minute from the finish line. Indications are that the Iran nuclear talks in Vienna are effectively over. The deal is either going to happen or it isn't. And while in recent days there was a lot of pessimism, there is now reason to hope a deal may still happen. For further insight into this, we turn to our next guest. He's the host of the Left is Dead podcast at theleftisdead.com. James Carey, as always, James, welcome back. Always good to be here. So early in the week, everyone seemed to be souring on the deal. Now, of all people, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is reversing his longtime opposition and is praising the talks. We know Schumer, a very influential senator, his reversal could indicate that America is less reluctant to a deal with Iran. Uh, what does this say to you, James Carey? Uh, I think it is odd to see Schumer go for it, right? Because he's he's sort of the representative of uh, a big part of the Zionist lobby. But um, I think that you know, as we we kind of brought this, I talked to you guys yesterday about this. Is the deal has been will they, won't they for the last couple of weeks? Um, I think there's just an attitude of the United States realizing that people are souring on them because the other part, you know, the other party that's making big comments about this deal being essential is Germany. And I think that the U.S. is starting to realize its weak position with a lot of allies, especially now with the war going on in Europe, that you have, you know, the U.S. has said we have no intention of resolving, which I'm fine with, but the Europeans probably aren't. Uh, I think that the U.S. sees their position weakening, and Schumer, if nothing else, he has to protect the empire, right, because that's what the Senate is for. Uh, here's the, the key, I think, and it's something you said. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz said that a new nuclear agreement with Iran cannot be postponed any longer as he paid a, as he paid a lightning visit to Israel. That Now, here's what I'm thinking. Iran has a lot of two things, oil and gas. And right now, um, the Germans are looking at, you know, a disastrous issues with that. And, you know, based on sanctions and any number of things, I think that part of this is they're looking at potential severe problems and they're thinking of trying to find another way to get their hands on more energy because they see a, a, a massive problem with energy to hopefully introduce more oil and gas to the market to help mitigate the prices. Maybe they feel if um, Iran get, comes back online and they're back on the market selling it full times, it'll help to balance the price, prices that are spiking. Your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, no one's ramped up their production to where it was at, uh, post-COVID as far as oil goes. Um, and now the largest supplier of oil and gas to Europe has been sanctioned to the hilt. And, uh, you know, Nord Stream 2 was canceled even before the, you know, the conflict in Ukraine flared up. They Germany had already pulled that out of their pocket. So, they were looking, you know, Germans are paying the highest heating prices and fuel prices that they've paid ever now, and the same for other European allies like France. And I think that it's the fact of the matter is, yeah, they need a replacement source for fuel. And it, whether it's Iran sharing, you know, the oil fields with the U or the gas fields with the UAE and Qatar or their oil fields, you know, there's a lot of energy resources in Iran. And even when the deal was made under Obama, it's not like the U.S. planned to develop too much in there. It was for the Europeans, and that was whether it was selling planes or getting fuel. 
the Europeans need that, especially now, as you said, with Russia cut off. And I think with Russia, it looks like, you know, this future, I don't know how long it'll go on, but there's no quick resolution to this. So, yeah, the, the Iran deal popping up like this again, I think, shows how desperate they are for a new source of fuel. And how do you think Israel is playing into this since uh, Olaf Scholz went to Israel, uh, met with Neftali Bennett, and Scholz leaves the meeting saying, we got to get this done, knowing uh, Israel is staunchly against this? Yeah, I mean, you know, who knows what concessions will be made to, in, to Israel in the future. Um, I think Israel... Israel also has this fantasy that they're going to have a gas pipeline up through the Mediterranean or something like that, uh, that they want to be a supplier of natural gas. It would take them a decade to get that online. And the fact of the matter is, is you know, they want Iran, Iran isolated, but I think the West also realizes, you know, there's some some reality to the blue jeans and rock and roll kind of myth from the Cold War where they want Western companies in Iran, although I think Iran will curtail how much Western influence there is on culture. But you know, I think that Israel is going to be mad about this either way, but I'm sure concessions will be made in the future. You know, they can't be seen as being soft on Iran because to be a leader in Israel, you have to be anti-Muslim, essentially, um, especially anti-Iran. So I think that Israel will continue to complain, but we'll see concessions in the future, whether it's, you know, more assassinations of nuclear scientists or uh, cyber attacks or something like that. I'm sure there will be something given to the Israelis in exchange for this, as there was with the Saudis in Yemen for the first time we've made the Iran deal, right? I'm well, the other thing I think is <clears throat> the other perspective is Iran because, um, you know, in the past, like uh, French uh, companies came in to develop some of Iran's gas fields and things like that. If you're Iran, after what you've been through, and the fact of the matter is you're signing a deal that you don't know how long, you know, if you're Iran, you don't know how long this deal is. So I think Iran's going to be reticent to sign anything long term, any like long term economically with European or Western countries that for the comfort for common development and things of that nature, knowing that. Uh, uh, and I'll put it like this. If they do, they're going to want everything up front. They're going to pay it all, and if you walk out of it and if you leave it, you take it on the chin, and we make out, you know, uh, we make out well. I mean, uh, Iran's going to be in a, t a totally different negotiator now um, for with the West, in my opinion. Your thoughts? Yeah, that is one of their positions is we want a deal that can't be overturned, which I don't know that the U.S. can actually make. They, not unless, know, not unless it goes through Congress and, and, gets, and gets it authorized right. by Congress. I don't see that happening. Exactly. You know, whether it's hardliners and the Democrats or or then the whole Republican Party not giving that to Biden, I don't see that happening. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's any way the U.S. can guarantee that. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, what did they lose out on last time when Trump canceled the deal? They had planes that had to be delivered. The French had dumped a bunch of money into um, starting the oil production back up. And they had all these things just sitting there and all these orders out, and it, they weren't fulfilled. So, yeah, I don't think they want to lose you know, and again, these assets go outside, their money goes outside the country to buy these assets, and then it gets frozen, right? They get sanctioned more. So I don't think they're going to risk them being, you know, the partner that takes the brunt of the actual economic force that need needed to start things up like this. I don't think they're going to look to take on the burden like that, because why would you, and again, why would you do it? Like you said, why would you do it now, knowing that in the future, say you order what seven airbuses and they don't show up right so why bother and that's why they're they're looking for this guarantee that we can't leave in the future but i don't know i don't think that'll ever be provided 
one comment and one question. The comment is, at this stage of the game, Garland, I'd like to get your take of this. If they are able to get a deal and sanctions are lifted during the remainder of the Biden administration, I think that'll give Iran the breathing space it needs so that if a another president were to come in and try to reimpose these sanctions, they would have so much less impact that it would almost be negligible. That's my thought. And my question to you is, Schum, going back to Schumer, he voted to advance the disapproval of the deal back in 2015 with Bob Menendez, Ben Cardin, and Joe Manchin. Do you think that Schumer's coming out as he has is a signal that Menendez, Cardin, and Manchin will fall in line? Um, I don't Yeah, probably, because this has to be a, a major economic concern. I don't know about Manchin, just because he likes being the oppositional figure and they like having him like that. But as far as the rest of the party, I, I don't see why they wouldn't, because, you know, as we talked about yesterday, Biden has not had a win as far as foreign policy goes, and they need something. And the JCPOA was a huge accomplishment for Obama. But yeah, at the same time, I think you're right that Iran will definitely see it as a chance to bolster themselves some more. Look at how well they've done as far as international relations go from us, like messing up the Middle East over the last two decades. You know, they've become the winner out of that. And I think they see any other situation involving us like a trade deal the same way. So I think, but again, I think the U.S. is desperate right now, mainly because NATO is facing a crisis and the NATO partners are all on the brink, you know, of these financial crises, too. So it's just desperation. And the Democrats need something because they're about to get slaughtered, I think. And uh, the other part of it is um, that the interesting thing is that the U.S., even the U.S. allies in the Middle East, um, they're not getting any support um, from the from the Muslim world on their, um, you know, their their push against um, Russia. No, no. And I don't think that anyone's really interested in that. And Russia's Russia's gone around to the, you know, the global south playing this role as a mediator the last few years. And I think that that's stuck with a lot of people. And whether they were U.S. allies or not, whether, you know, it's Saudi Arabia, and Iran or uh, Saudi Arabia, Israel and Syria or anything like that. I mean, Russia is always the intermediary, even in Azerbaijan and Armenia. It's Russia who's the intermediary. I think all these countries, even if they are U.S. allies, realize that this is a this is a geopolitical negotiator at this point as far as Russia goes, and I think that it's best not to poke it because why get involved in something like this for the U.S. and condemning it when you have no active role in it and you know that you may need Russia in the future to deal with some dispute you have? We have just, just about a minute and a half and switching slightly gears, staying in, basically in the same area. You've got Israel not backing the U.N. move by the U.S. to condemn Russia. You've got no Muslim countries backing the play. India doesn't back the play. Of course, China doesn't back the play. But Joe Biden is consistently saying that the world is supporting the condemnation of Russia. Well, he means Europe, right? <laughs> I think that's it. Oh, that's, that's the, the world. world. Oh, got it. Yeah. It ends at, I don't know, right at the border of Greece or Turkey, <laughs> somewhere around there. So, yeah, the world to them does is condemning it. But, yeah, I think as far as even, like you said, Israel not condemning it, which is, you know, usually we're kind of in lockstep. And right. it's always a shocker when we're not, right, when we're not in lockstep at the U.N. So I think even Israel going against it, one, their population is like half 
mm-hmm. swap mm-hmm. anyway. Okay. But two, yeah, clearly they know Russia is going to be a power player for a long time in the future, even if this seems like a sort of self-destructive move, according to the West. James Carey, as always, thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate that analysis, and we look forward to having you back. All right. Thank you. Folks, you're listening to The Critical Hour on Radio Sputnik. I'm Wilmer Leon. I'm joined here by my co-host, Garland Nixon. There's more on the other side. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 